This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. The button pushing stops here. Plug the radio in. Yeah, Hello, everyone. It's time for Evidence for Faith, the voice of Ratio Christi. I'm Keith Kendricks, and today's topic is going to be about the Reason Rally. But we have a few items to get to first. Let me just remind everyone that you can check out our website, evidenceforfaith.com. That's evidence, the number four, faith.com. And if you'd like to listen to past archive shows, you can listen to them there at the website, or you can listen to them on iTunes. Well, Kirk is off today, so I have the studio full of guests and a couple online, too. So we will get to that in just a second, but I want to start with the obligatory quote of the day. This is from Jay Bujicevsky, the professor, and he says, The whole meaning of, mor- of morality is a rule that we ought to obey, whether we like it or not. If so, then the idea of creating a morality we like better is incoherent. Moreover, it would seem that until we had created our new morality, we would have no standard by which to criticize God. Since we have not yet created one, the standard by which we judge him must be the very standard that he gave us. If it is good enough to judge him by, then why do we need a new one? And that from J. Bujachevsky. Excellent. Excellent. That's from his book, what we, can, what we Can't Not Know. Well, we have on the line with us Ray Siervo from Ray Siervo Ministries, who lives up in Long Branch, New Jersey. Ray, welcome to Evidence for Faith. Well, thanks, Keith. It's good to be with you. And it's good to talk to you again. We want to highlight the conference that you're doing this coming weekend, right? Next weekend? Yes, that's right. Uh, Friday night and all day Saturday. Well, first, introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, it's a long story. I've been in Christian ministry for nearly uh, 40 years, and in the last uh, 12 to 15 years, been doing work in apologetics, mainly because I, I saw that um, I just didn't have answers for, for things that people were, were bringing questions about. And Actually, it's uh, 12 years ago now. My wife and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I attended Southern Evangelical Seminary and got a master's degree in apologetics. In 2007, we moved back to New Jersey. We'd been here before in church work, and we actually came back to a church that I started uh, some 20 years, uh, 30 years ago, sorry, and um, just started to look and see how can we influence the Christian community with uh, the knowledge of uh, why, why we believe what we believe, which is really what drives, I think, um, my ministry today. And four years ago, we did our first conference here in New Jersey, the New Jersey Christian Apologetics Conference. And uh, this weekend coming, we have uh, Dr. Bill Dembski is going to be with us. And I mostly uh, travel and do seminars, preach in churches, do conferences and um, speak on apologetics or worldview. So in a nutshell, that's kind of uh, who I am and what I've been doing. Great. Now this is the fourth annual New Jersey Christian Apologetics Conference. 
The topic this year is God and science. Tell us a That's little bit correct. about that, that topic. Yeah, we, um, we try to center it around a main speaker that we're having. Um, we, we try to center the topic of the conference around a, a speaker. And we were so fortunate this year to get Dr. Dembski to be with us both Friday night and Saturday. Yeah, he and is a big name in the ID movement, intelligent design. Yeah, I think uh, he's become the um, actually the public intellectual for intelligent design. He's the, the person that, that people look to. And certainly his writing is prolific, um, and I'm sure he's in demand as a speaker quite a bit. I just heard recently that he's gone on the faculty of Southern Evangelical Seminary, that he'll be, he'll be beginning there in August this year. So he'll be the, one of the professors there for their, their department on, on science. Well, Ray, tell us a little bit about his work and some of, maybe some of what he'll be talking about at the conference. Well, uh, Dr. Dembski, uh, as I mentioned before, he's become the, the, the public intellectual, meaning that he's the person people look to when they want the answers about intelligent design. And perhaps um, a lot of people think that intelligent design is somehow tied to creationism. And Dr. Dembski, I think, t makes it very clear that what, they, what they're really looking for and what they do with intelligent design is they, they, they study pattern, patterns in nature that indicate design. And it really has nothing to do with the designer. They're not making any claim on who the designer is or that they believe God created the earth, though Dr. Dembski is, is a Christian. Um, the, the Discovery Institute that he works with has... Uh, Muslims on their staff. I even believe that they have some non-believers on their staff, people who don't believe in God at all, uh, some agnostics. It's people who are just studying and looking at evolution and looking at, as I said, they, they study nature to see these patterns um, that indicate that they just could not have evolved over long, slow periods of time. And uh, Dr. Dembski, as I mentioned before, has authored some 20 books and I'm sure hundreds of articles on this and is continually under fire by the, um, the Darwinist community, if I could say that. Right. And hopefully, uh, one of the things that I've heard him do uh, in conferences, which is to me one of the reasons why I wanted him to come, is that he, he is so appealing and motivational in getting people involved in standing up for for creation, even though I mentioned that he's not a intelligent design doesn't stand for that, but but just to look and see what evolution Darwinian evolution leads to, and that the church needs to take a stand and needs to become educated and involved in this whole um, movement, and I, I believe that hopefully I believe in that he's going to speak on that at least one of the sessions that he's with us. Right now. If I understand right, he's a double PhD, a PhD in mathematics and a PhD in philosophy, and he was really the first one to publish an academic paper or book on what's called, it was titled The Design Inference, published by Cambridge University Press. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ray, but I believe this was the work that essentially established very specifically how it is that human beings detect intelligence. So if we are walking along the beach and we see Mary Loves John written in the sand, we know that that was not the result of the wave action on the beach. And we immediately 
our brain tells us instinctively that that is the product of an intelligence. And he was able to really specifically point by point explain logically what's going on and how it is that we can know that that is in fact an intelligence. That's correct. Um, and you know, he points out just the fact that the um, the universe that that what we call creation or or nature is knowable. That the fact that we can even we can understand it. Uh, that that points to the design inference that that it was made this way that so that we can understand it. And uh, he has been groundbreaking. He also has a master of divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. Wow! Among all these other things that uh, that he's done, I mean, two doctorates and, and an MDiv. Um, Pretty impressive. Well, tell very us about impressive. absolutely. Tell us about some of the other speakers and topics. And let's just remind people this is going to be March 30th, so that's Friday evening, and then all day Saturday, the 31st? That's correct. Friday evening, um, the meeting will open with uh, Simon Brace, who was instrumental in uh, beginning uh, Maratio Christi. That's right. And um, Simon is um, really from Zimbabwe, but grew up in South Africa. And Simon is a motivational speaker. I mean, you know, beautiful Christian man just out there, just sharing the word. And I believe he's speaking on the subject of spiritual warfare on Friday night. And then Dr. Dembski will speak the second session. That session is open to the public. Uh, It's at the Long Branch Covenant Church. That's 355 Joline Avenue in Long Branch. It's really Route 36 as you come off the parkway at exit 105. And we'll start about 7 o'clock. Not about, we'll start at 7 o'clock. And then the next day, we have Dr. Dembski speaking again in the morning, and he'll be followed by Simon's wife, Nell, Nell Brace. Nell has a double master's in philosophy and biblical studies. She's also, um, she's South African, and Nell has a really great message um, about developing a Christian mind, the whole process of starting to think biblically and think theologically and philosophically from a Christian perspective. And I've heard Nell speak on this subject, and and she really encourages women especially um, to not just think that they have no part in this or can't take part in this. And then our our next speaker is Dr. Max Herrera, who is a personal friend of mine, and he's going to speak on uh, answering the the, the new atheist. Um, I believe he's picked on, on, um, I'm not sure if it was Sam Harris or, or Christopher Hitchens' work, and really read it thoroughly. Max is an excellent scholar. He's got a, philosoph- a PhD in philosophy from Marquette University. And Max um, is very eloquent in his speaking, but he's also very down-to-earth. Not None of these speakers are speaking over the heads of, of our everyday church people. I think uh, it may, may make you reach a little bit, but um, they're not going to be speaking over your head. And um, then Nell, is, Nell Brace is also going to speak on uh, the, the, the contrast or the difference between what Muslims believe, what Islam stands for, and what Christianity stands for. Uh, Nell and Simon both took part in um, what's called Speaker's Corner in London. Um, I'm not sure, I'm sure it's one of the parks there in London where anybody can go and bring a step stool or a ladder and stand up and, and just start a debate. And uh, most of the time, or many times, there's debates between Muslims and Christians. And both Simon and Nell uh, took part in those things when they were living in London before they came to uh, America and went to seminary here. 
So we really have a full full schedule. Um, Dr. Herrera is going to speak twice. Nell will speak twice. And I may speak the last session. It's really open right now. Um, if Simon feels compelled to continue on with what he starts on Friday night, I'll let him have the last session. But we, we have a, a full session there. And there is registration required for Saturday. All right. Tell tell people how they can register, what they need to do, and where they can sure. find more information. Um, you can register online at, uh, very simply, it's www.njconference.com. And you can find out all the information right there. If you want to um, register by mail, there's uh, instructions there as well. Um, you can do that as well, or you can register right online through um, a PayPal or a um, um, credit card. Wonderful. So. Wonderful. Well, Ray, uh, we've been talking to Ray Siervo of Long Branch, New Jersey, talking about the fourth annual New Jersey Christian Apologetics Conference. Ray, thank you for being part of Evidence for Faith. Well, thank you for having me, Keith. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. Well, if you're just li- just joining in, you're listening to Evidence for Faith. I'm Keith Kendricks, and we're talking about, going to be talking about, the atheist rally that was in Washington, D.C. yesterday. So to help us do that, we have Adam Tucker on the line. Adam is a campus director for the University of North Carolina at Greensboro Ratio Christi Apologetics Club. Adam, welcome to Evans for Faith. Thanks for having me, Keith. Good to be with you. So, Adam, tell us about this. What What was the idea? Why should Christians be going to a an atheist rally? What is that all about? <laughs> well, it was quite an experience. That, that is for sure. Was this your uh, idea? Uh, no, not really. It actually came about one of our fellow Ratio Christi directors just kind of made a passing comment in our Facebook uh, directors group uh, about some of us should ride some of the Reason Rally buses that they had going from different cities and uh, go up to the rally and ride their buses and have some conversations. And I didn't really think much about it until I mentioned uh, the rally to our student president. And uh, he was kind of interested in it, and we did a little research and found out it was just one day and we could uh, maybe charter a bus ourselves and, you know, just make a day trip to D.C. and back. And so he was excited, and we talked to some students, and they were excited, and talked to Blake Anderson, who, who works with Asher Christie as well. And he was excited, so it just kind of mushroomed from there. And what was the point of going down there? Uh, essentially, our whole mission was, as Greg Cook likes to say, just put a stone in someone's shoe and uh, you know, just have one-on-one friendly conversations and ask questions and uh, of the atheists who were there, and uh, just let them know, hopefully, uh, in short conversations, that Christianity is worth thinking about. And, of course, we, we gave out some uh, portions of uh, a book called True Reason uh, that was written in response to the Reason Rally that uh, Tom Gilson headed up that project. And That's... Uh, William Lane Craig and, and Sean McDowell and others contributed chapters to that book, so we were promoting that as well. Right. We talked to Tom Gilson last week about the book and went over some of the things that were in it. So did you actually give away copies of the book itself or just uh, portions of it or what? Uh, we had printed out uh, the first chapter of the book, and then we had some business cards with the truereason.org. Uh, website and just some provocative questions can be theismatic will he answer uh, some some questions that we had listed there and, and so we handed some of those out to the folks who were willing we, you know we obviously weren't forcing anything on anyone but um, just trying to, to get the word out now the last time I was on the mall it was with promise keepers a Christian organization and <laughs> there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people there with multiple large screen 
televisions out for people to watch that were so far away from the stage you couldn't even see the people. So I'm sure that since Christianity seems to be dying in the West, that I'm sure that the atheists way outnumbered that group, right? Uh, I don't think there were quite that many there. I will say I was I was impressed with the numbers, especially given the weather. Uh, I have not heard an official count, uh, but the last estimate I heard was somewhere around 30,000, but I, I have not heard confirmation of that. Okay, well, everyone in the studio is shaking their heads, <laughs> so I guess I should introduce some of the college students that we have with us. The These are people who went down to uh, meet with Adam and uh, was part of that effort to help talk to talk some reason into some of the uh, reason rally attendants. So let me introduce Joe Gonzalez, who's president of Ratio Christi at Richard Stockton College. Oh, hi, Keith. And Jessica Richardson is vice president of the organization. Hi, everybody. And we have with us also Jen Quinn, who is one of the founders and a former student at Richard Stockton College. So hello, Jen. Hello. So, guys, uh, you are all shaking your heads. You don't believe that there were 30,000 people there. <laughs> well, we, uh, I've been to a passion, a passion conference with 44,000 people, and it wasn't anywhere near 44,000, even half of 44,000. I would say maybe at best five to 7,500 people. So okay. maybe 5,000 to 7,500 people. All right. All right. There you go. Adam, you're being shot down here. They, th- they think there was less than 10,000. Me and Jackie agree. You hope they're right? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what happened. Uh, Adam, you go first, and just tell us anything that you, you think was interesting. And uh, what are, did you meet? Let's, let's put it this way. Did you meet any resistance? Were people um, really angry that you showed up? I mean, why should a Christian go to an atheist rally? It's their rally, right? Yeah, well, you know, being kind of behind the scenes of this, uh, I fielded some of the email responses we got through the True Reason website and uh, a couple of threats and different things like that. So, uh, you know, some of the leadership had had some of these concerns uh, in the back of our minds and not really sure exactly what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, But as far as uh, my experience, it turned out to be a very uneventful day, and the folks we talked to were quite friendly, and uh, some of them talked for for quite a bit of time. and that pretty much summarizes the reports I got from most everyone else that was there. I think everybody had really good experiences. Of course, there were other uh, Christian groups that were there that were, uh, you know, holding up their big banners and uh, had no problem getting into arguments and drawing large crowds around themselves and that sort of thing, which we were uh, absolutely trying to avoid ourselves. Uh, so, so that was that was certainly going on, uh, but not with our group. I think uh, I think everybody with us had, had a fruitful experience. And uh, so this wasn't it, the Westboro Baptists uh, in attendance. Didn't didn't the I, reason I rally? Didn't see them. I've heard reports that a few of them were there oh. and weren't there for long. Uh, I did not see them personally, but no, the, the other Christian groups that were there were more the, the street preacher type uh, type approach. Not not from Westboro though. All right, and not not being too uh, obnoxious. I hope. Uh, well, they didn't take the approach we were taking. We'll <laughs> put it that way. They were definitely quite a bit obnoxious from what we experienced. <laughs> oh, really? What being what in in people's face, and you're going to go to uh, hell or something like just that? Just like you're you're damned to you know for an eternity in hell, and you're a sinner, and you're a sinner, just constantly putting down any atheist that came up to them, and definitely wasn't done in loving kindness the way it should have been at all. Wow. You actually called uh, one guy homosexual the whole time in that center, so it was kind of. <laughs> A little bit funny to see. Yeah. Wow. 
one of them actually when we when they first started coming me and we went up and we're talking to one of the guys holding the signs and there was an atheist coming up honestly just asking him a question and he just he was like you just it's just because you need to repent and just not talking in a loving reasonable manner at all which is what we were trying to do it just seemed like they were putting up walls and just angering them more instead of trying to to love them and reason with them well, I guess if our, any of our listeners are wondering about what they would say in a kind of a situation from like that, this is what Ratio Christi and Evidence for Faith is all about, is to help you to be able to address the real issues and not be in a position where you have nothing to say except you're going to hell unless you accept Jesus. So, Adam, uh, tell us a little bit about what the itinerary was, what the plan was, the speakers, and did they have breakout sessions, or I guess I guess that's a little tough to do on the mall. They just have to listen one after another. Tell us about that, and I'll, I'll have the students uh, chime in on anything they, they saw about what you're talking about. Yeah, we didn't see the official schedule until maybe a week out, a uh, week before the event. Uh, so we were kind of surprised with how they had it organized. Um, like you said, you can't have breakout sessions or anything, so it was just one speaker after another with some music mixed in and comedians and that sort of thing. Uh, but nobody spoke longer than, I think, 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, and <laughs> to be quite honest, after our plan was you know, to, to listen to the speakers, use that as building blocks to ask questions and that sort of thing. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, after I heard the first, maybe four or five, and they were all saying the same thing, I pretty much zoned out the rest of the day because nobody was saying anything substantial, and they were all just uh, really attacking caricature after caricature after caricature of, of Christianity, and it just, after a while, it was so monotonous uh, and obvious that they were really not interested in, in reasoning at all. Interesting. So no logical arguments? Uh, not that. No. I mean, obviously, they thought they were being logical, but they were simply attacking a, a straw man the entire time. It was each of the speakers, it just was so redundant. It felt like it was just attack religion, attack attack religion and I personally like a few of us we were really looking forward to hearing what Richard Dawkins was going to say too we waited around and when he finally went up he kind of just reiterated what everyone else was saying um he spoke for about 15 minutes and was just um was just actually commanded them a couple times like you mock them you ridicule them to Christians and it was a reason rally it was clearly he was eliciting an emotional angry response from them instead of like trying to reason trying to reason with them so and he told us um like you ask christians um why they believe what they believe and they'll say it's because they want to be a good person and we're thinking we're like no we want you to come and ask us what why we're a christian like we'll be happy to give you some evidences for that so so did you hear did anybody hear any arguments at all for atheism or against the existence of god or from the speakers or from the crowd yeah the speakers or or the crowd i guess well, we went out in pairs. I mean, at least our group from Stockton did. And I think also the group that we met up with at the rally, which is very interesting. So we went out in pairs and just started conversations with people, which is very awkward for most of us for our first time. So we kind of just approached me and Jen, actually approached two men, and just asked them what they thought about the rally. And they actually, these are two atheists, men, that said, the uh, this rally isn't reasonable. It's just a, a mob that uh, oh, just wow. uh, inciting feelings and emotions and we were like well can feelings and emotions be rational and like he said in this manner no it can't so this rally he actually admitted it wasn't of one reason one of reason but actually looked like one of intolerance especially um with Dawkins saying uh, ridicule of Christians with con- contempt it sounds like he just wants to 
promote more intolerance within the atheist community towards Christians. Right. But, Sounded like hate speech, maybe, somebody might say. Yeah, you know, no better than a Christian that goes around saying, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but we did hear some arguments, though, from these two men. Uh, if you want to hear. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. Why not? Yeah, so uh, me and Jen approached them, just asked them, you know, where, where they stood. And this one guy was a Catholic, and he uh, fell from the faith. The other guy was a physicist, and he just, I guess, he never believed in God. Mm-hmm. So we said, um, if we gave you a reasonable argument, would you accept it? He said, sure. So we started talking to them about uh, certain aspects of God and how it came to be certain things. Well, go uh, ahead, and uh, since we have a lot of atheists and, and non-Christians who listen to the show, go ahead and give us an argument. Well, um, we... Jen took the guy that was a Catholic and mm-hmm. talked to him uh, about ha- almost an NR conversations with the two men. And I talked to the guy who was a physicist. Right. Uh, was still in school, but you know, learning to be uh, learning to be a physicist. So I I conversated with him, and I actually got him to uh, come from relativism and go to absolute truth. So he actually came in believing that uh, you can never know absolute truth, and then going to believe that you can know absolute truth. And so the claim started was uh, he said that there's. There's a there's some kind of light and a, there's a, a particle. There's a, there's a, uh, a substance that could be a particle and a light or a ray. Oh, okay, maybe a photon that can be a they, wave a photon, yeah. or a particle. Gotcha. And on a micro level, but on a macro level, we can't use that same formula. So we use the, the law of relativity. Mm-hmm. So he said these two, while they're both truths, so at least they're both laws, both work and yet contradict each other. So that's great because because you know for a fact that a law is not absolute truth. It's only ninety nine percent. Nine percent certain, but it can be if a law is disproven, it's no longer a law. And scientists accept that kind of theory that nothing can be absolute in science. Okay. So he agreed with me. I said, "Great. So let's go on absolute truth because this is not absolute truth." So I said, uh, "Can you agree with the quote? I think, therefore, I am." Uh-huh. He's like, "You know, this is a trap." I was like, "No, it's not a trap." Well, yes, it's kind of like it's a trap. But I'm not trying to do it to right, right. You, you know, wanted make... to show him that there can be something that's really true. Right. So, uh, you know, I told him it would be a very dangerous road when he goes down this, if he says yes. And he said yes. So I'd say, okay, so you know that even even though you're thinking right now, you're in some kind of plane of existence, even though you can't be, you can't confirm or deny what it is. He said, yes. So that's one absolute truth claim. If you have one absolute truth claim, it completely debunks relativism because it, relativism, which is a contradiction within itself, says there can never be any absolute truth. Right. So Everything then it is relative, right? Right. So yeah. then he said, "Okay, I agree to that." So th- this has to be, even though only the only absolute truth I know is this. So wonderful. Even though interpretation may be relative, can be interpreted different ways, and right. maybe I can be wrong and you can be right, and we can both be wrong. You know, you don't really know, but there, it doesn't change the fact that there's a truth out there. Excellent. And then we brought it back to God and the importance that you need to have absolute truth with relativism. So when you go into like an atheist and a Christian, you say one of the Christian Christian says, "I believe in God," and the atheist says, "Well, I don't believe there is a God." Right. And then the man that is on looking to this conversation has to say, "Can't sit in the gray area because that doesn't make any sense. There is That's a God, right. while there is not a God." Right. So he has to, because we we accept absolute truth. He can't be in the gray. He can't be agnostic. Right. He has to either say assert A there is God or B there is not God. Right. So the importance of believing in God and not God, and then you would go into like reasonable arguments of why there is God. God compared to not God. Arguments and evidence, you mean? Yes. Yes. Great. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Joe. That's that's a terrific story. So, uh, Adam, uh, any stories uh, you want to tell us about? I I think some conversations I had, and, and honestly, I don't know if it was just from being behind the scenes and knowing the threats and and the First Amendment threats that we had been given, and you know, obviously our unwelcomed uh, presence there. I was I was a little more hesitant than probably many of the students were, and I, I can't say enough 
uh, about our students and your students, and I, I was just so proud of them. They did an amazing job. Uh, just, oh, my goodness, it, it gives me cold chills thinking about how awesome they were. Uh, but so nobody, in the, in the conversations I had, I ran into a lot of uh, scientism. Uh, you know, science is our only means of truth. Right. Uh, the moral argument came up over and over. Everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people were holding signs. They were giving out that said good without God. So that was obviously a very easy uh, starting point for conversations. But it's still, the ones I had at least hold down to scientism, and science shows us why we're good and why we do this and how it's good for our species, and uh, which obviously misses the point entirely. And then even if it can explain how we know uh, morality, it doesn't explain why the good is the good and why anyone should actually do that. Uh, so they miss the point in that. But uh, really, just the whole the whole notion that science is the only means of truth and uh, what the conversations I had was just really the, the bottom line to a lot of people. So nobody got beat up. Not that I know of. <laughs> okay. None of the students got beat up, and they and hopefully they didn't beat anybody up, and, uh, unless it was intellectually. <laughs> uh, I actually ran into the same problem of uh, only science can be used to determine absolute truth, and mm. me and Jen ran into the problem, and I ran into that problem again with another couple. And uh, Well, isn't that true? I mean, it sounds sort of true. I mean, science has been very reliable in the past. It's allowed us to build airplanes and computers, and so it seems that this is a good way of discovering truth. So why don't we just only pay attention to science and listen to what it has to say? Well, we saw the issue with it. We we actually this this is the first step we use to uh, determining what is truth, what is not truth. After if you're not relativist or not. So the second step would be, well, how can you determine truth? And we asked, you know, you know, people over there. They're like, yeah, I'm. I'm a, one lady was a scientist, and she said, I had a PhD in science. So if I can't prove it empirically, it can't be true. I was like, is that is that really true? And she was with her husband, and I asked her. How do you know your husband loves you? She said, you know, through his actions and through his words. So couldn't he, and then I asked her, couldn't he do it in bad intent? So couldn't he just be lying? Maybe he wants your money. Like, you're a PhD. Maybe he wants your billions of dollars that you're, you're going to get, doctor lady, you know? Uh-huh. She's like, well, I'm a poor scientist, but I don't think so. I, I think, you know, the way that he does this and shows me affection, you know, and the way we feel really shows me that he loves me. So I asked her. You saying you taken you you have taken the abstract idea of love, which cannot is which is not physical, and determine truth upon that through what feelings and evidence. So really, it's nothing to do with science. Yet you determine you came to that point, and then she just said yeah, and she she like with kind of like with like disdain because she didn't want to say yes, right? But she knew it was true, right? Very good. Jessica, we haven't heard much from you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences? I mean, I guess I was more uh, standoffish about going because I had taken the time to like, read all the blogs out there about what this event was going to be and how the atheists were reacting to finding out that Christians were coming. And um, I was a little bit scared to talk to them because I didn't feel like it was going to be well-received at all, and I didn't think we were going to be able to get any sort of um, intelligent dialogue going on. Mm. Just to let our listeners know, Jessica was a former atheist herself. Yes, So you So you have a kind of a feel <laughs> for what the atheist mindset is and what they're thinking. Yes, although I wouldn't... Um, I typically, I, I right, I don't think that I would have ever gone to an atheist rally like this back mm. when I was an atheist. Apparently, a lot of atheists didn't want to go either. Because <laughs> <laughs> getting there, I mean, it it really felt more like a either a hate rally or some sort of twisted church session because like they had their music. Although I wouldn't personally call it music, it was awful, and um, I mean, it was it was very misogynistic and hypocritical to what they were saying. Interesting, how misogynistic? They were actually um, just completely ranking on Christians because of 
you know, um, women are just supposed to be looked at as beauty and we're manipulated throughout the Bible and this and that. And, you know, women are a lower rank in the Bible, apparently, mm-hmm. was their interpretation. Um, and then two people later, there's this performer that gets up and just went on and on singing about different parts of the female anatomy in a really just rude way right gotcha and the crowd was going crazy they were so excited about it and i was like all this is doing is objectifying women and here you were two people ago saying that that's what the bible does so how does that make any sense you know but i guess they didn't see it that way um so i found that to be really interesting and it really felt more like a twisted church because they had they had their chanting and this and that and their responses and i even had one guy come up to me and say oh in the discussion, I haven't read I haven't read our holy book yet, and I go, "Oh, you've never read the Bible?" And he goes, "No, I've never read the God's Illusion by Richard Dawkins." And oh. I was like, <laughs> "I'll go down to Holy Dawkins." <laughs> right? Like, I was shocked. I was like, "Wow, you guys realize that in some way you might be considered an organized religion? That's you know, like in an anti-religion sort of thing." And he was like, "You know what? I'm starting to see that by being at this rally. That the more we talk about how corrupt religion is, we're starting to see more and more like an organized religion by what we're doing." Which I was I was shocked that he uh, came to that. Right, right. So was this, I mean, and Adam join in, what, what was your feeling? Was this an anti-Christian rally or was it, did they, you know, give equal time to Hinduism and Buddhism? And- oh, not even close. It was definitely very, very anti-Christian. And it got to the point where one of the guys that even said, um, I wrote it down, that he'd rather be with a Christian, like be friends with a Christian than an agnostic, because at least a Christian is smart enough to pick a side, stick with it, even though it makes them an idiot. Whereas an agnostic just is completely indifferent and they're horrible. So I feel like the only people that got bashed on more than Christians were people who are agnostic, which I found to be really amusing. Okay. So if you're in the middle of the road, you get run over. Yeah. And it seemed like there were a few agnostic people there. So I don't really know how they felt about that. The organization itself actually put a cross in the middle of the rally with some kind of demeaning phrase on it. I didn't get to read it though. Ah, interesting. Okay, so more more hatred there, I guess. Interesting. So um, go ahead and you've got a couple, Jessica, you've got some handouts or something? Oh, yeah. We, um, were, <laughs> atheists were proselytizing or what? They actually, they had their tent and I, uh, I was brave and went in. I wasn't really too sure what to expect. But, um, they had different tables set up there for like recovering people from religion. Like if you were raised in a religious environment and how to deal with it now and how to deal with being hated by society because you're an atheist now. And um, the Constitution, I have a book called Our Constitution, The Way It Was, about how Christianity has just completely manipulated the Constitution to progress our religion, I guess, is their stance. And well, that's interesting. Yeah, I have a, one, a pamphlet called An Open Letter to Jesus Christ, which just is basically 15 to 16 pages of questions after questions against Jesus, which a lot of it seems to just be poor interpretation of the Bible with lack of historical context when reading it. Okay. Um, and then a little pamphlet from the Humanist Association, Good Without God, which we kept hearing. And Did You Know All the Gods Came from the Same Place, which is a little cartoon book for the kids because they had a little kid camp there, which was great. Oh, okay. There was lots of little kids. That's right. It's and really you, upsetting. It's <laughs> interesting because they have to weed that out of the kids. You know, there's some psychologists that published data recently that showed that children are naturally theists. So they, they naturally believe in the existence of God without being taught. Even in secular societies, they will believe in the existence of a supreme being who is all-knowing and all-loving. And this is a natural thing that children are born that way. So you have to, if you're an atheist, you definitely got to weed that out of them. You better start teaching them early with the books about atheism. Well, and about that, they had actually said at one point, there is, I guess, a person who came in in between the speakers and was talking about how they now offer summer camps 
for children of atheists to go to, which I thought was really interesting because I'm like, well, Christians have summer camps too, and now you guys are starting your own summer camps to explain <laughs> to children that God isn't real. They're so. going to have to start uh, tithing, I think. I know, right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. I'm Keith Kendricks, and we are talking about the Reason Rally that was yesterday at the mall in Washington, D.C., and we have with us Adam Tucker from University of North Carolina Ratio Christi Club. We have Joe Gonzalez, Jessica Richardson, and Jen Quinn from Richard Stockton College in New Jersey, who all went down to the Reason Rally. So, what was? Tell us a little bit about some of the highlights. Then, what what was your favorite thing that happened, or Jenny? Uh, okay. Uh, one of my favorite conversations was uh, me and Jesse were standing right there we, after we had just listened to Richard Dawkins speak, and uh, we were there taking notes, and there was three guys standing next to us, and uh, they just kind of kept looking over like as we were taking notes, and um, it was a perfect opportunity because Richard Dawkins had just said, like, if you, if you know a Christian, ask them why they're a Christian, and he said, they'll only give you the answer because, you want to, because I want to be a good person. And so, um, so shortly after he went... Um, the one guy, he just turned to us. He was like, oh, so what are you guys doing? Like, here for a school report. And um, we're like, no, we're actually, um, we came up all the way from South Jersey. We go to Stockton College. And he was asking us, like, um, like our purpose, why we came. And we were just saying how we were part of Ratio Christi. And that was, like, a perfect open door. He asked us what Ratio Christi was. And we said it's um, it's a college club where we talk about evidences for evidences for the existence of God, evidence for Christianity. And they were kind of taken aback because they just realized, I guess because you assume at first, like, we weren't wearing any, like, Christian t-shirts or right. anything like most people. So they're just thinking that we're there, like, for them, like, as an atheist. And so it was like a step back, like, oh, like, oh, you're a Christian. But um, we're just saying how we believe in reason, too, I said. And... Um, and so then he was asking us, like, um, like for our reason, I guess, for being a Christian. And we were just saying, um, because of the evidences where Lise and Jesse were saying how she used to be uh, an atheist as well. And so we just turned the question around and we asked them, like, what is the best argument you've ever heard for the existence of God? And Oh, that's a great question. And, um, yeah, and so they actually both, they all three of them, they're like, well, we've never heard a good evidence for the existence <laughs> of God. And then come to find out later, the guy had... A, had watched William Lane Craig debates, so I knew that he heard some some arguments for the existence of God. But that turned into a really great conversation. We got on the topic of um, the of scientific evidences that point toward God, and then we also got into the historical reliability of the scriptures. So that was a interesting conversation. Excellent. I remember one of the guys you were talking to. He he actually thought the universe was infinite. And they uh -huh. had this uh, black hole theory that basically eventually the world gets to a black hole and the time is so slow that it's infinite. And he'd, and I'd say, how would this work with the law of entropy? That's in the law, of, like second rule of the law of thermodynamics. It, uh -huh. it conflicts with a law. It can't be true. And he tells me, well, it's like a ray, but backwards. It doesn't, like a ray has a, a starting point, but no end. But in this scenario, it would have an infinite starting point, but an end. And that's said, <laughs> well, that's like drawing an incomplete circle. It just doesn't work out. Like... How, how can you have this? You see the logic behind it? Although a ray can exist because it has a starting point, it can never end. It can't go vice versa because let's say two billion years it ends, that, that starting point was never infinite. It had to end eventually. So logically there was a, a problem here. And they did the groundwork of the uh, argument for, uh, what argument did you use? 
emotional argument or something like that. Are you talking about those two guys, those three guys? Yeah. We talked both the cosmological and the teleological arguments. If you know the cosmological arguments. You know, some of our listeners don't know what it is. I'll let them take that over and I'll complete it. Briefly explain it. it. No, you got it. Okay. Uh, Well, we started off with um, the one guy talking about the cosmological argument first, that anything that begins to exist has to have a cause. And so the same with the universe. It had to have a cause. And his response to that pretty much was he said that um, as Christians, we just go one step further. Like he starts with um, the, like he says, well, then God had to have had a cause, but it's that the universe, the universe began to exist. Therefore the universe has to have a cause that's outside the universe, like a supernatural cause. And, um, so why doesn't God need a cause? That's a good question. You want to answer that? No, that's fine. Well, God is not, how can you say it? Our natural laws do not apply to God because he's not part of the universe. All natural laws only apply to the universe itself. Now, and he doesn't have a beginning. Right, for, for, like so he doesn't need a cause. Well, as much as we know, we just know that he doesn't apply to any of our natural laws. Now, right. it's like if we had a second universe, they can have different natural laws. Maybe they don't, they don't have gravity. If gravity is like negative four point eight or something different like that, that means the whole universe itself doesn't. Our our natural laws would never apply to that universe. Such thing as God is outside our universe. So our natural laws don't apply to him. Right. Excellent answer. Okay. Good. We also talked about um, the teleological argument, which was next, which is my favorite argument for the existence of God. All right, and um, you're throwing around a big word. The teleological argument is the fine-tuning of the universe, and um, I started with saying how just, like, one DNA strand, like, such a small thing, like, and, and that's just just our person. Like, one DNA strand in each person would have the amount of... Um, the amount of information and complexity is 10,000 like encyclopedia encyclopedia Britannica's put together. So that's like saying that the library of Congress resulted from an explosion in a printing, in a printing press and just so much information. And that's just one DNA strand. Like then when you look at the fine tuning of the universe, the location of the sun and like the axis of the earth, the tilt, like everything is just created so perfectly so that life can exist here. And, um, so anyway, for that argument, I don't really think he had a specific response to that. I think they just were saying how, like, Richard Dawkins got up there, too. He was just saying how that's what it is. It just appears to be designed when we study science. Science is, like, biology that seems to appear to have a design. And then then it, it there was a lot of, like, the questions just go from one topic to the next really fast. And then the next question was, like, the his, um, the reliability, like, of, um, of Jesus' Christ's resurrection. And then that was a good conversation, getting on to that i could go into if you want. well uh, so did any of you hear any argument i mean even if you didn't agree with it did you hear any argument for atheism impossible <laughs> no did you even if it wasn't a good argument impossible why why is that impossible <laughs> well because even richard dawkins himself said you can't disprove god an atheist doesn't only research there's no god but gives no arguments for it but vice versa, we assert there is a God, we give arguments for it. So if an atheist gives a reasonable argument to an atheist that cannot be debunked by logic or philosophy, which is where the realm we're dealing with, metaphysical realm, right. then the theist, in this sense, must be right. Right, right. Excellent, excellent. Adam, have you had a chance to debrief any of your students that went with you? Uh, we're going to Monday night, or we meet on Monday night, so that'll be our meeting for this week, just kind of a, a debrief, share time, and question time, or uh, whatever anybody wants to share. Uh, and that was definitely my favorite part uh, of the trip, And like I mentioned earlier, just seeing, uh, I guess, the fruits of 
hopefully the fruits at least of uh, Ratio Christie's labor. You know, seeing right. students get out and actually put this stuff into practice and, and be passionate and excited about it. I mean, right. We got on the bus to come home with our group and. They were they were thrilled. They were they were ready to go do it again. It, it was it was infectious. They were really. pumped and uh, rock, it was, it rocking. Was awesome so, to see. so how many people went with you? Uh, we had I think thirteen students uh, from UNC Greensboro, and then we met some other folks uh, from the Lenore Ryan chapter and UNC Charlotte chapter. Uh, so we had a total of twenty three on our bus. Interesting, interesting. So it sounds like the Reason Rally, well, I guess it was aimed at atheists in the first place, but at least it sounds like none of the Christians that were there witnessing to the atheists uh, really got bummed out that, wow, you know, they're, these atheists are just so smart and they're so rational, and, you know, our our blind faith could never hold a candle to their reasoning abilities. Doesn't sound like that's the way things went down. Certainly not from my impression. <laughs> great, great. All right, guys, uh, uh, we have a few minutes left, so if you want to finish up with um, some more arguments that you ran across or anybody else that you talked to, we'll finish up with that. I thought one thing that was very interesting, well, two two observations I thought were really interesting. One, when Richard Dawkins, you were speaking about the atheism actually being a, a religious movement almost, when Richard Dawkins took the stage, I was off to the side with some of our waters and materials and stuff we were handing out. And the people on the fringes literally started running to the stage to oh to listen Richard to him. Dawkins. It, literally, uh, it was quite a sight to see. Did he get a standing and, ovation? Yeah. Oh, um, well, most people were standing anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> but yes, he he had plenty of cheers. And then there were a time or two where the, a particular speaker actually got the crowd to chant certain things. Okay. And like it what? was interesting that the free thinkers. You know, they pride themselves on being free thinkers and not following the authorities. We're in unison chanting what their leader on the stage was, was telling them to chant. It was it was quite ironic. Are, are any of the things suitable for airplay? Now, honestly, I don't, even, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I was just laughing because they were all doing it. I don't even remember what they were chanting. Wow. So Richard Dawkins is a rock star. <laughs> and president, future president nominee. Yes, oh. that's also what we heard, was that he should run for president. Ah, yeah. okay, so an Englishman is going to be president of the United States. That's great. I guess we'll have to make a few changes to the Constitution to allow for that. Well, we already corrupted it. Don't forget about that. Oh, that's right. Yes. So Christians corrupted it because really all those ideas are atheistic, right? Is that the Apparently gist of so. that? Yeah, that's the idea they were trying to put across. So... Well, I just want to say to any Christians listening that we did see a need for apologetics because we did see those uh, very loud-spoken, ignorant, to say the least, Christians that came and started just yelling at people, but they didn't have a real answer. It was sad to see, but then how dangerous they put themselves, a position they put themselves in. One guy was being uh, attacked by an atheist, and when I say attacked, I mean literally this guy started off like 20 feet away from him talking to him, and then it was straight up in his face yelling at him while smoking a cigarette. And Wait, now hang on. The atheist got up in the face of the Christian, or the yeah, Christian got up no, in the face of the... Yeah, right the first time. The atheist got into the face of the Christian. Yeah. And then you had this 11-year-old girl that just comes out of nowhere and actually challenges her elder about his own beliefs. And it's like this indoctrination you see within the the atheist movement. It's, mm. it's kind of upsetting to see. I mean, even me and uh, another Christian, Brittany, were talking to a couple, and, and you would see these two 40-year-old men that were just close by saying, can you shut up and go take that to the bathrooms? You know, like, we don't want to hear it. And it's like, well, well, you guys are nice people, I guess. Like, this right. is the new atheism, right. the new America that we want today. 
So, but for Christians who are listening, do you think that they necessarily should be afraid of the atheists and uh, the arguments that they have? Or does this prove to you that the arguments are really weak on their side? I was just... I was just surprised by some of by some of the logic. Like Christians have no reason to be afraid. You just need to be prepared. Like First Peter three fifteen tells us, you need to have know your stuff, have your answers when you go to them. But you really um, and you have to focus on loving them too. It's not just about winning the argument. But you really are not going to lose the argument if you if you know if you know your evidence and go to. There's nothing to be afraid because it's not like their arguments are going to beat you out because a pe- like when it comes in the end like we are the right like we're right we know that it is true so you're not going to lose the argument if you're coming at it from a reasonable from a reasonable place and you have your your evidence with you you might get beat up though <laughs> oh, well apparently that didn't happen so that's a good thing <laughs> if you come love it <laughs> yeah and if they're getting heated then you walk away you don't continue continue an argument so all right, Adam. I will say this real, real, quick, real yeah, quickly, if I yeah. can. Got a couple minutes. Uh, Go ahead. The, the church should be afraid if the church is not willing to change. Mm. If if we don't embrace and see the need for for apologetics and moving beyond emotionalism and subjectivism, the church should be afraid. Not of the argument, but of the movement. Right, and of the challenge that our kids will face when they do go away to college or to the workplace, and they have to face this without being prepared for it, or or without even knowing that there is such a thing. I remember I used to be in the Christian church. I was really an agnostic, but I liked Christianity. I thought it was a great idea, if only it were true. Uh, Really had to accidentally discover that there was this wealth of argumentation out there, this wealth of evidence, wealth of logic, and uh, the evidence that God existed and that Christianity was true. And, uh, you know, there was no Christian that, you know, set out to, to teach me or my group that I was with and say, you guys need to know this, here are the arguments. It was all just by faith and uh, blind faith. And uh, really, I only became a Christian accidentally because I happened to stumble across some apologetics works. Wow. All right. Well, Adam Tucker, we appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so proud of you guys. You did, you did an awesome job. And thanks to Joe Gonzalez. Thanks for having us here. Jessica Richardson. Thanks for having us on again. And Jen Quinn. Thank you. You have been listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. If you would like to contact us, send us questions or comments, you can send them to email at evidenceforfaith.com, or you can take a look at ratiochristi.org. Please join us again next week for more reasons to believe, and always remember that the best reason for being a Christian is because it's true.